You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Championships. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Another Alabama tradition. I am Ryan Fowler, originating out of Tuscaloosa. Martin Houston's not going to be with me, national champion winning fullback at the University of Alabama. He's actually going to be stepping away for a few weeks. Uh, For those who may or may not be listening uh, locally here in in Tide 100.9, Martin is going to be running for the mayor of Tuscaloosa. Coach Stallings came in and announced uh, his former player uh, that last last Thursday. So uh, Martin Houston... Uh, going to be stepping aside because of SCC requirements. Uh, uh, you cannot run for public office and also be on the federal airways. So uh, we'll talk about that. But uh, got a great guest that's going to be joining me, and it's a guy that if you listen to our weekly, uh, excuse me, daily afternoon show, uh, Chris Landry, who has uh, we'll lay out some credentials for Chris Landry because uh, this may be the first time that uh, many of you have been able to listen to him. But uh, he does every Wednesday from four until four thirty. Uh, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com is the great website. Chris, I hope all is well. Welcome into Alabama tradition for the very first time. Oh, great. Great to be with you. And, um, you know, uh, always fun to be with you on Wednesdays. I'm really excited about doing this. And um, just a lot of fun, obviously, for the Alabama fans. And what great timing is. They've racked up enough another championship. Uh, a lot of fun is, you know, as, as you've always said, we've always discussed because we do this all year round on your show. It, it, you know, you've got the football season, but it's such a busy news cycle all year round. Tons to talk about historically, recruiting, the draft. I mean, it just it never ends. So I'm just uh, uh, tickled pink to join you. And we are going to take phone calls for Chris Landry, and we've already had people in the 5 o'clock hour that already started asking if they could be a part of the show, and uh, we'll get people to awesome. to, to jump in and uh, to maybe uh, throw things around their mind. Uh, but, Chris, let's lay it out. Maybe for folks who are not able to listen to us on Wednesday, uh, you've been a coach, a scout, an administrator. You've worked in a lot of different capacities, but uh, you've been around this business a long time. Yeah, I started off as a um, as a young coach. I was a walk-on player at LSU, became a young um, student assistant coach. Back in the days where you didn't have analysts and whatnot, you had student coaches. still have them today. But, um, so I was a student coach under Bill Orangebarger at LSU and then uh, Mike Archer and um, spent some time there, worked my way up full-time. Uh, to a full-time position at LSU back when we had 10 teams in the conference. Uh, uh, Ryan kind of dating myself there before even Arkansas and South Carolina got in the league. And then I had an opportunity to go into the NFL. One of my good friends, you will remember the name, a guy that I coached with at LSU, um, is someone very near and dear to Coach Bryant in the Alabama family, and that's John Mitchell. Uh, John Mitchell and I work together at LSU. John Mitchell goes to the Cleveland Browns to work for Bill Belichick, mainly on the recommendation of the great Ray Perkins, who we just lost uh, recently. Uh, I end up getting a call to interview for a patient position on Bill Belichick's staff as well. As a result of that, I get hired. So John and I are there and uh, there's this guy that I actually knew for a few years that, that because um, I'd done some scouting work and what have you for the Blesto Scouting Combine, and there's this guy that came over from Toledo uh, to be the defense coordinator of the Browns. His name was Nick Saban. You may have heard of him out there. And and so 
that that kind of is a little bit of a rounded way. I spent time in Cleveland. Then I went run the NFL scouting combine for years. Then I moved to Houston, another stop where Nick Saban happened to work under Jerry Glanville back in the day before the Toledo days. And I ran the Oilers scouting department and then moved from Houston to Nashville when the Oilers became the Titans. And then uh, I moved back home to Louisiana when my parents um, got um, more aging and, and sick and uh, continued to do consulting work uh, for uh, a number of teams in the NFL and then gradually worked into college by accident. I got involved in coaching search work with one of the first ones that I ever got involved with with, was when LSU had an opening. They um, let go Curly Holman, another tie to the Alabama program, worked under Coach Stallings and played under Coach Stallings at A&M. And I recommended uh, that LSU hire Nick Saban, and they ended up hiring Jerry DiNardo from Vanderbilt. And um, later down the road, um, when that didn't work out so well, and Jerry had some good some good times at LSU, but eventually was replaced. There was a chancellor there by the name of Mark Emmert. You may know him sure. from NCAA president fame now. And I got involved with a number of key boosters, Richard Gill and whatever, for LSU to try to kind of recruit Nick Saban to go to LSU. And at that time – had to convince Nick to go to LSU because he wasn't quite comfortable. And Ryan, I still remember it to this day, trying to convince Jimmy Sexton, trying to sell uh, the idea that, look, look at per capita, the players from the state of Louisiana um, that go into the NFL. And it's the only big time program in the state of Louisiana. And uh, anyway, I think Bill Orangeberger was the guy that helped me most to convince Nick to go to LSU, and he didn't know Bill Orangeberger. I did. I knew Nick. I knew Coach Orangeberger, but I think he respected Coach Orangeberger with what he, you know, did in the game. Nick goes to LSU, and I think everybody kind of knows what happened after that. Uh, He moves on, finds his way back to Alabama, um, you know, after a stint with the Dolphins, and and I was thinking about it because – you know, with Drew Brees likely playing his last game in the NFL, I tell folks all the time the whole story working when he decided to leave LSU to go to Miami with the Dolphins. Eddie Jones, who was the, the Dolphins president at the time for Wayne Huizenga, um, was a former uh, LSU grad, and he and I worked together, and Nick Nick wanted to, you know, wanted to try out in the NFL, and he went, and he he really liked it. And I tell this all the time to Alabama fans that – the person, the, the two people you need to thank the most if you're an Alabama fan for Nick Saban coming to Alabama. One is the late Mal Moore. I mean, he did the groundwork. He, you know, he ended up making a run, and Rich Rodriguez turned him down, and thank goodness for that, I guess. And then he, he decides to not, he decides to go back and make another run at him. But the person outside of Mal Moore, and I would say, you know, Mal from the outside, but the person most responsible for Nick Saban leaving the Dolphins and coming to Tuscaloosa is Terry Saban. Terry really did not like the NFL life. She liked being part of a program like she is at Alabama, like she was at LSU, like she was at Michigan State. Um, Nick really loved the NFL. Nick really did not want to leave Wayne Huizenga and preferred to stay. And it was Mal from the outside and Terry from the inside. And as I say, but yeah, he had no chance of, of, of winning that argument. And so the rest that they say is history. And so people ask me all the time, did, did I know that Nick was going to be a great head coach? I, I felt that he would be, but I never thought he'd be the greatest coach perhaps of all time. Uh, that type of stuff is almost ridiculous to even think and contemplate. But so that's kind of my long winded way of kind of tying in some of the LSU, the background with Nick and what I do now. I do uh, scouting work for NFL teams and college programs. I do um, advanced scouting work, do coaching search work, um, analyzing of, of coaching prospects or assembling of staffs or head coaching moves. So that's my story. And, um, you know, moved back home to Louisiana as uh, I've, I've lost my parents since, but uh, as I'm getting older and still doing it, uh, that's kind of where I am. And 
get caught into working with great guys like Ryan to to interact with uh, you great fans out there in football land. And the phone line's completely jammed up at 205-342-9904. But uh, let, let's go back to Alabama for just a couple of minutes. Uh, we talk about Sark departing for Texas and then Bill O'Brien stepping in. And we've talked about this, but a new name uh, that has developed this afternoon, I, I want to say that um, we have at least mentioned this, but Doug Marone, Mm-hmm. is a, being reported by ESPN that he could be the new offensive line coach here in Tuscaloosa. What can you tell us about Doug Marone? Doug's an outstanding coach with a lot of experience, obviously um, really learned a lot of his offensive philosophy from Sean Payton. He was he worked for the Saints way back. Um, he ended up going to Syracuse from there. So he's been a head coach in college. He's been a head coach, of course, in the NFL. And let's, let's remind folks, they were pretty close just a couple of years ago. As everybody's talking about Urban Meyer and Jacksonville and first pick, let's remind folks it wasn't but just a few years ago. They're in the AFC championship game against the Patriots. Um, so as we go to the conference championship weekend, a lot of success there, a lot of a very good coach. Very good offensive line teacher, very good helping and teaching the run game. Um, and again, not someone who's been a lifer in the NFL that's never been in college and, you know, can't relate to the recruiting part and all that. Very, 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 very good coach. Very good at being able to help and work in the coordinating part of things and maybe help coordinate the run game. A lot of a lot of good qualities there, and obviously someone that you might say is overqualified for this spot. That's pretty much what Nick has built at Alabama, where he can basically choose where others, you know, really don't have a chance. To, that, that's I, I can't knowing Doug as long as I've known him, he would I, he would not consider any other type of job like this in college. But at Alabama, you go there. Bill O'Brien, are you kidding me? There's no way he, you know, I mean. He would only consider head job, both of them. But at Alabama, it's a little bit of a different situation, and it leads to uh, an opportunity. The other thing that's tied to this, Ryan, we've talked about this on your show. So the other guy that was a strong candidate, and depending on how it works with Doug, was Jeff um, uh, uh, Stoutland, is, is, is a guy that's currently tied up in a contract with the Eagles. The Eagles do not have a head coach yet. They could have one in the next 48 hours, maybe sooner, certainly by the end of the week. But he's under contract. And assistants in the NFL, they're not released until, you know, the team releases them. And what they want is they want the new head coach to make a decision because what if the new head coach says, I want Jeff? Well, then you don't want to release him. So he's not free to make that move, but he is someone that is under consideration uh, if he's not retained in Philadelphia or depending upon what happens with Doug or possibility of who knows what would happen. I think Jeff's really good coach. So that's that's what's happening there and where I think Doug is. I think I think it's progressing this afternoon pretty closely to Doug getting that job and being a part of it. that would be beyond home run in term of Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone. That's that's a whole lot of experience there. That's almost ridiculous, almost so you, unfair. So you're saying overqualified for those two spots. <laughs> these guys these guys were head coaches in sure. the NFL <laughs> just a month ago. Can, can you imagine how frustrating it is to compete against Nick Saban and, and the way that he builds this organization? I mean, it, it. I can imagine the frustration that's around the 13 other schools in this league. Well, and you look at it and you say 12 people have ended up getting head coaching jobs oh, wow. just by doing this for Nick Saban. I mean, 12 so, in other words, if you're Bill O'Brien, if you're Doug Marone, if you're Charlie Strong, Charlie Strong becomes the assistant head coach and linebacker coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars this past week. Charles Huff, the marshal, on and on and on. You go there. It's like it, it's like you're cleansed of your sins. Uh, I'm being, you know, cute there. But, but the point is, is you go there and it, it is like not only do you learn, but you become part of success – the reality is people pick from where the successes are. And so if you go there, if you have a part of what's successful over there, then if you're Doug Marone, you're Bill O'Brien, you can move on and you can get a job. Now, I can tell you 
that Bill O'Brien's name has come up, you know, on the outskirts in Knoxville as somebody that, you know, somebody's got to fix that mess up on the hill there. And Bill O'Brien was most notably, uh, you know, involved in obviously taking care of the Penn State situation after Jerry Sandusky, um, you know, uh, awful situation. So this is this is two good gets. And, you know, I don't I not, wouldn't count my chickens. Nothing is definite. And, uh, I wouldn't rule out the outside possibility that one of them may get an NFL opportunities. But, yeah, Doug, Doug has got – NFL O-line opportunities, run coordinator opportunities available to him right now. Bill O'Brien, maybe personality-wise with an NFL team, maybe some young head coach in the NFL not as comfortable with a a strong guy like Bill O'Brien. But that's not an issue at Alabama where you come in and you fall in line and you do what you need to do there, you know. So we go to the different phone calls, and uh, I'm going to set this up with our first caller on the other side of the break. And I know he he brought this up about the possibility of Brill O'Brien. So I'm sure that's probably what he's going to talk about uh, yesterday on our show. We'll go to Tony. Uh, then we'll go to Tom at Aliceville. We'll go to Red here in Tuscaloosa. Corey up in Trustville in the Birmingham area. All of these guys, that's Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fowler. This is Alabama tradition. The past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. In some places, football is a sport. In Alabama, football is fine art. Now at newlifeart.com, see Daniel A. Moore's new 2021 Crimson and White Fine Art Calendar, featuring 13 dynamic images of defining moments from the Saban era. As a special offer to listeners of this show, use coupon code ROLLTIDE for $5 off each calendar. To order yours, call 1-800-735-2787 or visit newlifeart.com today. Tide 100.9 WTIDFM. The station in Tuscaloosa for ESPN Radio. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. So we're going to get into some Alabama football topics of conversation. We've got a lot of things to, to cover. We went through the Alabama coaching side of things. And, uh, you know, you listen to Chris Landry kind of break it down. And uh, we'll go right back to the phone lines here. And Tony in Tuscaloosa, you're on with Chris Landry and Ryan Fowler on Alabama Tradition. I hope all is well. All, all, all is well. I hope all is well with you guys. <clears throat> Coach, what a what an opportunity. What a what a treasure to be able to ask you a few questions and get your insight. I love listening to your uh, to your segment with Brian. I think it's on Wednesdays, and yes, sir. your Appreciate knowledge that. is unbelievable, unbelievable treasure trove. Uh, well, thank you very much. Appreciate you. How many recruiting cycles have you been a part of in the SEC? Well, you know, I go back into the eighties. <laughs> And so 1980s. Now, when I was strictly in the NFL, there was a bit of a gap. Well, when I came back, Tony and Ryan, it, it had completely changed. I mean, can you imagine in a day where we didn't even have cell phones? There was no Internet. I don't, I don't even think we had. I think we had a computer, but I think our, our gal worked. Work, I mean, so it's completely different world. Coming back, um, to answer your question, more years than I care to admit, definitely more than 30 or 40. It's changed so much. And what I'm really impressed with is how Nick is when he got into the, when he got to Michigan state, we worked together on taking the Cleveland Browns system of evaluating players. And that's how he basically began to put together how he was going to recruit players and how he's going to evaluate players and who to decide. Then he kind of tweaked that when he went to LSU. Then when he went to the NFL, he took that experience and then he brought that to Alabama. And that's led to kind of what he does because that's what people don't get. It's not the sales part of recruiting. It's about who you offer and, and making sure that you don't make, you minimize mistakes. Uh, he, he's a, he's an amazing uh, talent evaluator. No doubt. And, and you know what? You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked to know, Ryan and Tony, 
this is this is the the genius of Nick. When he was an assistant in the NFL, you would be shocked to know that he was not a really good evaluator because he was always and you, and you can sense this, right? You know, they win 52 to 10. Well, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. We that's it. he never liked any player. It was no one was good enough. <laughs> and, and, and and Belichick said, you know, it's it's not about what a player can't do. Everybody had what can he do? So when I tell you he has gone from completely not being really good at it to being great, that that's the key to being great. How you learn because you can be a teacher, but the best. Ryan is a is a very learned individual, a doctoral program guy. He'll probably tell you this. He'll agree. The best teachers are students. They're constantly studying, and he has become really good. I was sat there with him at Tennessee. We were working out Dale Carter, and Nick left the field. He left the field because he didn't like Dale Carter. Because I wouldn't leave because I wasn't going back to tell Bill Belichick I left the workout early. You know what I mean? When we got in and realized <laughs> – and, and 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 we spent weeks just looking at plays. My point is he constantly is trying to learn how to get better. He doesn't feel he has all the answers. That's why he is a great evaluator right now. That's a great story. I'd like – my question is, what do you really think is going on in Knoxville? Mm, I mean, wow. we, we have close ties to uh, Jeremy Pruitt here. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Most Alabama fans love Jeremy Pruitt. We all want him back here. And none of us trust Bill Fulmer and the inner workings in Knoxville. And I know you know what goes on there and what that's like. You know, and just in SEC programs in general, this is a bizarre thing. you got an informant that comes in and does all these things. What do you think's really going on up there? And I, I think, really appreciate. It. Sure, I appreciate you. I think it has a little bit of kind of what Auburn struggles with: key boosters that are kind of they're powerful, but the oars are not going in the same direction. So, like at Tennessee, the Jim Haslam's, the Bill Haslam's type guys are on one side of the fence, whereas the Charlie Ergens, you know, the guy that owns the the Dish Network, and Charles Anderson, and and the Denard guy and Larry, so you got you got a lot of that in Philip. Listen, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for Philip. I like Philip Former, but but the reality is Philip is for Philip, and Philip always been is always been that way. So when he was not the athletic director, he was. I mean, we go back to Johnny Majors and kind of how that played out, and I think people know that a lot of people feel he kind of stabbed Johnny in the back. And Johnny was not very popular, but Philip took advantage of that situation. And then when Philip was not the athletic director, he was always kind of sabotaging, whether it was John Curry or Dave Hart or anybody, because he had the political wherewithal and the political clout to be able to get things to muddy the water a little bit. Well, you know, this coaching search was a an abomination the last time. Jeremy, I think, is in a tough situation. I don't think Jeremy was quite as polished or ready to be a head coach yet. It is tough to learn on the job at Tennessee. You know, I mean, it's one thing if you're coaching at North Alabama, you're you're growing and you're taking a step up and you're coaching at UAB, whatever. You, You are in the limelight and every move you make, staff moves, didn't work out. A lot of problems, a lot of dissension. It was very clear to me that while there's probably infractions that took place, that once they they were uncovered or it was, you know, a witch hunt can't work if there's not anything there. If you didn't do anything, well, then they're not, well, you know this, that they're going to find something if they look close enough. Apparently, there was a lot there. There are 10 people that lost their job. So, and Jeremy was just one of them. Um, it was pretty clear that it was headed down this path, and we were all shocked when Kevin Steele got the job because we knew that, uh-oh, something is up. Well, in some ways, for what they were trying to do, it made some sense, right? 
Auburn's paying most of the money. You bring Kevin Steele in. Well, who are you going to turn to as an interim head coach? Well, Kevin's there. You can do that. He's got experience doing that, and it doesn't cost a whole lot. So there's a hiring freeze, and then you bring in Kevin Steele. And so there's not a hiring freeze, I guess, for Kevin Steele, but there is for anybody else. I knew there were trouble when Will Friend left. When Will Friend, who's as close to Jeremy, they were roommates there. I mean, they were close as can be. When he left to go, I knew, oh, okay, that's that. You know the writing's on the wall. So it's a mess. It'll be a legal fight. And I think my guess is Kevin Steele will be the interim until they can figure it out. Because who is going to – somebody that's going to take that job is going to want to know what are they dealing with NCAA-wise. I mean, what are you dealing with? So, I mean, you know, they can't bring in Hugh Freeze. They can't usher one guy out for NCAA violations and bring in the other guy that that is just off the NCAA bad boy list uh, in uh, in in the SEC. I, you know, so I mean, Jamie Chadwell would probably take it from Coastal Carolina, but I, I think they they got, if they're going to hire an athletic director, Ryan, that's going to take a little while, maybe a week or two. I don't know how this is going to play out. I'm not going to predict it because it's kind of hard to do it, but I would guess that it's better than 50-50 that maybe Kevin will take it this year until they can figure it out, and maybe they get one year down the road and at least the candidates will know where they are NCAA-wise. So to follow up what we were talking about with Bill O'Brien as the new quote, and, and nothing official from Alabama, nothing, in, but judging on Nick Saban's tendencies, Generally, we get an email with every single assistant coach. So it, uh, this is not out of the ordinary for not to get a release. But uh, we're already hearing that Bill O'Brien has rep- met with the quarterbacks. He's also uh, doing some recruiting and some things and, and all the different things that he has to evaluate. Uh, but looking at Bill O'Brien in Knoxville, would, would, would it even be an option? I mean, like let, let's say Nick Saban goes out and he hires Bill O'Brien and makes him bring him in. Uh, I don't think Nick would be very happy if he left quickly and went to Knoxville if there was an opportunity, or do you just kind of ignore that? Um, well, here's what would be my advice to Bill, and I know Bill pretty well. Bill's headstrong, and not that he listened to me, but if, if he – here's what he's going to have to look at. Um, <clears throat> the Tennessee job on the surface looks great, right? I mean, it's got history, and it's – I mean, it's great. Right now, it's not great. It's got a lot of questions. You're, you're going to go to Alabama, and you're going to be there for whatever period of time, and you're going to come out of that with an option for who knows where. I mean, you can probably have your pick. If you go to Tennessee in this situation, you know, you could, you could go there and you could look at it as a challenge like it was at Penn State. But, you know, the only way I would take that job, if I were anybody, it would have to be the Matt Rule contract. Remember when he left Temple to go to Baylor? It was a seven-year deal, and it was guaranteed. You know why seven, folks? Because i got to come and clean out that mess. Now, what happened at Knoxville is not what happened at Baylor. Please, the the rape stuff and all that, completely different. The point is, is there's going to need to be a complete clearing out and they're probably going to be bowl bans maybe scholarship limitation you don't know and the unknown is worse than the known i don't think you take that if you're bill personally i think you kind of made a commitment but more than that i think it's a too risky to go there and you're having to fumble through stuff and figure things out and then what happens if it does you know then maybe your shine is not as bright as it would be if you're a chief lieutenant at Alabama where I think you can write your own ticket and go anywhere you want after that. We're talking to Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. This is Alabama tradition. That's Martin Houston. Uh, not going to be with us for a few weeks, running for mayor of the city of Tuscaloosa. I'm Ryan Fowler. Chris and I are going to be hanging out for a few weeks, and we're going to be taking phone calls, and phone lines completely jammed up. Uh, we'll get to Tom at Aliceville just coming up in a couple of seconds. Let's go back to what Tony and Tony, great phone call uh, but kind of circling back to Jeremy Pruitt, um, where does he end up? Because now we're talking about a coach uh, who doesn't have a buyout. I, I'm not saying that you know his bank account is empty, but um, you know a guy that has coached all of his life, uh, high school, working his way up uh, through the college ranks. Uh, what happens to Jeremy Pruitt? Well, I think you saw his response last night. He is. Um, secured the services of a very prestigious and experienced legal team from Birmingham. Um, So he's going to fight that. I still say 
you know, even though Tennessee says they're not going to pay, I, I, I don't know what Jeremy knew, what he was involved in, and when did he know it. It, it, this could go down the path of the courtroom and it's ugly and the only people getting rich are the lawyers. So, I mean, this usually leads to a settlement. Oh, 12. All right. Let's agree to this and that. And, and I think, you know, that's usually the way it goes. What I don't know, because that was one heck of a press conference yesterday. I don't know that I've seen a chancellor, so easy to say, hey, come on over. Let, let me tell you what we did. Let, let me open up the closet. We did this, this, and this. It was like, my goodness. So what are you doing now? I mean, completely throwing Jeremy under the bus. And then at the same time, it was like a, you know, almost a retirement party for Philip. It was like, you know, I guess Philip had nothing to do with any of this. And, you know, whatever, he's just going to retire in a very, very convenient, just just really weird in my mind. So does Jeremy have a show cause? Can he, can he even be hired? I know that's the first thing. Well, could he come to Alabama? Well, can he? Is he going to be allowed to? I don't think at this point he's hireable until they clear the NCAA of, you know, any wrongdoing. Because if he is indeed guilty of what he's been accused of and the NCAA finds it, there's going to be a show cause. And he's probably – not going to be hot. Remember when Nick wanted to hire Hugh Freeze and on the staff in some role and the, the, the SEC office said no. I mean, I think as we sit here today, I think that Jeremy's unhirable on a staff until we hear otherwise. Um, I, that's the way I read it. I don't know that. No one's told me that. But if he's getting fired with cause and it sticks – you, you you can't go out and hire him. You, you, you're going to have to get clearance from the SEC office, and I think the SEC office is going to say, um, no, we got to look into that. So I, I would say his future might have to be for a year or two, whatever, in the NFL, or, you know, we'll see. I don't, I don't have the answer to that because I don't know how this is going to play out for him, and I don't know what he knew, what he was involved in, um, other than what he's accused of. And, I, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. We are talking to Chris Landry. Tom and Alice, Phil, going to be joining us uh, with a question coming up on the other side. Red and Cottondale, Corey and Trustful. We're going to squeeze in all those calls. Uh, Chris, I want you to let this marinate through the break because you talked about being a, being a consultant and, and the coaching work that you're able to do. Let me ask you, when you, when you take a look, it, are there enough coaches out there to go around? Because the parity in college football – where TV executives distribute these big sum of money, and everybody can pay big numbers for coaches, but when you look, are there enough quality coaches? We'll let you answer that on the other side. That's Chris Landry. This is Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. Southern food at its best. Daily lunch and dinner specials, plus that great menu that includes that Southern cuisine. Maybe the bacon-wrapped meatloaf. Maybe the fish and taters. Maybe the great chicken breast that they serve. All the great appetizers. You'll find a great sandwich like the pickle burger, the alehouse burger, the yard bird, and so much more. Great desserts. Let those guys be a part of your week. We're talking about lunch and dinner options. Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, catering as well. Go see Cal, Justin, Brad, Brett, and all the friendly staff at Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. Tide 100.9, WTID-FM, and ESPN Radio for the biggest events in sports. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. It's Aussie having no fun. Have some fun, man. Talking Alabama Crimson Tide football on Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, so we welcome you back in to Alabama Tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And we're going to be uh, going through a lot of different things here. Chris Landry uh, with us, uh, substituting in for Martin Houston that's going to be out for a few weeks. And uh, we got Tom at Aliceville, got Red in Cottondale, and then Corey in Trustville. But uh, going back to the question that I set up for you going into break, Chris, when you look at being a part of a coaching uh, consultant and kind of evaluating, are there enough coaches out there to go around? 
There are a lot of good coaches, but the issue is, so you're dealing with kind of like with players and free agency. It's not, you're not paying for the quality of the player necessarily. You're playing for the position and the other alternative. So if you look at it, obviously the, the guy that's earned the most is somebody like Nick. Well, you know, everybody, you know, Dabo's done a lot of good things and others, uh, but the reality is if you're going to be at Tennessee, if you're going to be at an opening at Michigan, you're going to an opening at wherever, you know, you almost got to pay the going rate because the, as a rising tide raises all ships, all these coaching salaries are a whole lot. So let's just take what Alabama's paying their assistants. So let's take, um, you know, guys that, that make a lot of money on the, the staff. So you take a, a guy like Jeff Banks who goes and, He's making a million dollars a year. And and so, I mean, when Nick Saban got the job at LSU, it was $1.2 million. He was the highest paid coach in the country at the time. It was thought ridiculous money. And that seemed like yesterday to me. It's 20 years now. But so when the assistants make that much money, well, then obviously you can't go many places where you're not going to be making $5 million a year. And so when it doesn't work, it's considered, well, that's wasted money because it wasn't worth it but the reality is anybody that you hire an assistant uh someone who's getting a second third chance um you know anytime that's at a power five level you're going to have to pay a lot of money but you've got a lot more money coming in due to tv contracts and whatnot but there are a lot of good coaches but what you don't have ryan is a lot of patience and so when with a lot of money people think that it's it means that you're up and all that money you, you better turn it around well you're not going to turn it around in some of these places overnight so, I mean, everybody wants a gourmet meal in microwave time, and it's just not real. Um, it's not reality. And so there's not a lot of patience, and that leads to some problems and a lot of firing. And I think the biggest thing, though, is what you have is a lot of these contracts that are renewed. Like, for example, I love Jeremy, and I feel bad for, for uh, uh, Jeremy Port, but why did Tennessee and Philip Former give him an extension prior to the start of the season? I mean, so that's just money on top of that, you know. That's just one of those things. Auburn gave Gus Malzahn a, that last contract because he was flirting with Arkansas. Sure. Well, just, you know, but, you know, they didn't need to do any of that at Tennessee. So a lot of times maybe the thing to do is go out, hire a guy, and not be so quick to say, oh, we got to extend him. He may want, you know – we're dealing in an era where you've got very few agents represent most of these coaches. Jimmy Saxon, who I know, I've known him for years, he kind of controls a lot of this. So if you're not willing to give him an extension, you know, so-and-so might be interested in him, this leads to a lot of money. It's great for that business, but it's not necessarily the most fiscally responsible thing to do as a university. And in a year like this where everybody's certain financially, it makes it even tougher to swallow. Let's go to Tom in Aliceville. Tom, you're on with Chris Landry and Ryan Fowler. Ryan, thanks for taking my call. Hello, Chris. Uh, hey, Tom. I want to reiterate what Tony said. I really enjoy your weekly visit with Ryan. It's always very good. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Nothing greater than talking football with the right. with great fans <laughs> who who love the game and live the game and and is as passionate about it. Uh, you don't you don't get this in California and other places. That's why I love the great fans of Alabama. Well, that's why I live here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I wanted to ask you this: one of my favorite coaches through the years, and I, I'm not sure if you was on his staff at LSU or not, was Coach Bill Arnsbarger. Yes, I <laughs> was. He coached at Miami, you know, uh, Bob Baumhauer. I had a conversation with Bob about Coach Barger because I, when Bob went to the uh, Dolphins, I started keeping up with the Dolphins because he was down there. Then I learned about Coach Barger and uh, his defense and, and the way he ran defenses. And, and Bob just can't say enough good things about him, about how smart he was and ahead of his time in defense. Schemes, but uh, did you work on his uh, staff at uh, LSU? I sure did. Um, Coach Orangeburg invented the three-four defense, and he, yes. like most most schemes, are invented out of necessity. When Buddy Ryan invented the forty-six, it was you know because Doug Plank wore number forty-six, and he was the extra safety in the box. Now you hear a lot about eight guys in the box, eight guys in the box. 
That was the 46 defense. You cover both the guards and the center, and you got a safety in and basically like a linebacker position. Coach Orangeburg invented the 3-4 due to an injury. And it was due to Kim Bolkamper, who was thirty war number thirty four. People think it was three down linemen, four linebackers. It wasn't invented because of that. It that's the way it played out. But he was he was a brilliant football coach. Uh, he was um, tough to work for. People tell me all the time, you know, they say, "Gosh, Bill Bill Belichick's a sourpuss, and Nick Saban's a sourpuss." And I tell them. Those guys are like Don Wrinkles compared to, uh, to Bill Orangeburger. Coach Orangeburger, God rest his soul, love him. But you talk about a persimmon. I mean, he you'd walk you'd walk in the hall and you'd say good morning, and he might look at you like, you know, what the bleep and what makes good about it. And then it, the next day, if you don't say anything, he might like good morning, Chris. What do you? <laughs> he don't know. Well, I mean, he, he used Korea. to tell me, he used to tell me in, in, in the, he, he, I'm coaching the secondary and he, and he, and he pushed me, waving me back, get back, get back. And I'm like, I'm so far out. I mean, I got to run 80 yards to get back and, and to put the next play <laughs> and And it's like, he's, and he finally goes back. He said, get back, Chris, you're bleeping up my drill. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna coach it, but he was he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant, and That's what I Bob learned. Said about I learned yeah, I learned a, I learned things. a ton from him. I'm very fortunate uh, because I learned from him, and then I go, you know, being around. I always tell folks I'm sitting there. You know how lucky can I be being a staff meeting in Cleveland? And the guy at the head of the table is Bill Belichick to my right, and the guy directly across from me is Nick Saban. I mean, how lucky can you be to be around <laughs> greatness like that? I just, you know, some knucklehead that's just, you know, fortunate. Hey, Chris, I wanted to ask you, though, a friend of mine played for Coach Arnsbarger. Jeff Dale played oh, safety. yeah. Is that, safety, was that your guy? Yeah, Jeffrey Dale. Yes, boy. Yeah. What a, now, you're was talking it, about he, big old safety. You know, everybody – I wanted to ask you this. Everybody rant and raved about Benny Blades, but I'm telling you, there was not a better safety in the NFL at the Chargers or at LSU than Jeffrey Dale was. Do you agree? He was really so physical, and he played in the day. You know what he was like? He was built for Alabama fans that maybe may not remember Jeffrey but he was uh, even a bigger version of a Mark Barron. I mean, he played oh, yeah. like a linebacker at the safety position. He'd come and he'd Rocky. We had him at strong safety, and we had Lifford Hobley at free safety. Jeffrey was just a great, great player for us. In a day where it was focused on the running game, um, it was big time. Boy, he I remember a great game against Auburn and defending Coach Dye's run game, and Jeffrey Day was really, really, really good player. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Well, get... well, yeah, go hey, ahead. You go let ahead. Tony talk for 30 minutes. No, I did not. You've actually got four, 54 seconds more than he did. I'm timing it right here. I'm sorry, but you got another question, Tom? Uh, no, Ryan. I was just. I wanted to talk oh. to Chris about Jeff a little bit more, but that's okay. Well, no, no, no. Uh, flip, flip, flip in I, there. I flip. To ask, yeah, go, uh, go for it. Go for it, real quick. Uh, Chris, I I, I, wanna, I I can't find Jeff anywhere. Do you know where he is? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you what I do. I'm going to make a note and see if I make a couple of calls, and if I can, I'll coordinate it through Ryan to let you know. I don't know. I, I kept in touch. The last one I've talked with was Lifford, and the last time I talked with Jeff, Lifford, uh, when Lifford was with the Dolphins, Unfortunately, he had a a baby girl that died in their swimming pool, and that's the last time I visit with Lifford and I and Jeff. Well, and if I, it helps, any, the last I heard of Jeff, he was running some health uh, organization out in Washington State. Okay, I will. I'll make a note of that, and uh, I'll see if I can't hunt him down. And then and I lost I touch with him, and I, I I hadn't been able to track him down anymore. Okay, I, I'll I'll call Coach Nader or somebody. He was great though, wasn't he? He was a yeah, great, great player. guy too. Great guy too. Yeah. See ya. Thank Thanks, you, Chris. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Uh, Tom and Alice. Phil. Uh, we'll get to Red coming up in a couple of minutes. Right here, it is Alabama tradition: the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll maintain the chance of a few scattered rain showers this afternoon. The sky mostly cloudy, the high 56. For tonight, gradual clearing with the low at 38. 
and a dry day tomorrow. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 55. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, WTIDFM, and ESPN Radio, bringing you all things sports in T-Town. You're listening to Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content. All right, so we welcome you right back to Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's go to Red here in Cottondale, which is about 15 uh, minutes north of Tuscaloosa. Uh, Red, you're on with Chris Landry. Good evening, Coach and Ryan. Hope y'all are having a good evening. Thank you. Yeah, doing good, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Coach, it's an honor to talk to you, and I got two quick questions. Okay. The first one, did you ever have a chance to work with Coach Stallings? I had not. I didn't have the pleasure. Um, had a few conversations with him. I remember a couple of times he called me when I was running the combine to try to get a couple of players in and certainly um, scouted his teams at Alabama. When I was coaching at LSU, he wasn't coaching at Alabama. He was coaching in the NFL. When I went into the NFL, he was back coaching at Alabama. So <laughs> we, we – I. I a pass cross, but not not coaching against one another. Uh, think the world of him. I think he's one of the great people we've had, and in, um, in, in the sport, and just uh, another guy that worked with uh, with great people. Obviously, with Coach Bryant and Coach Landry. Uh, but yeah, think the world of him. All right. Uh, second question: Do you, Mike Cotillier and Coach O, all y'all get together on a bayou to let the good times roll? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. Uh, well, I know. Oh, I don't know, Mike. Um, I, I know. I know. Oh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, I've known him for years. Um, but uh, no, no, I haven't. I'm. I'm. Uh, I don't know. If I can hang. I don't know. If I can hang with uh, Coach O. I think he's. 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 <laughs> I'm oh, he can teach you. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Yeah, I don't know. I can keep up with him. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't know. I'm a little, little bit. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Well, Coach, you heard it here first. We, <laughs> okay. we are the Crimson Tide 19 band, like a runaway plane. Roll Tide. Uh, there, you so, there you go. See, I guess now you kind of understand the pressure is in Tuscaloosa. You win number 18. Uh, Nick Saban has taught us we celebrate for 24 hours, and then we begin to move on. And uh, I thought it was, you know, it, <laughs> welcome to Tuscaloosa, Chris. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's always about the next one. He's got him trained well. Well, and and I heard him in the post game um, uh, announcement when he told the seniors goodbye, and he told them that they were always welcome. And uh, one of the things he said: "Now, underclassmen, uh, enjoy this, uh, but I'll see you back in the facility on Wednesday." And it was like, wow, he he really is. I mean, he he is as programmed. It's fun to be able to watch this because I see the sausage being made from the outside. Uh, you've been inside that room. You get it. You understand it. Uh, but one day I'm going to read a book, and I'm going to go, oh, oh, that's why he did that. Uh, there's a purpose for everything he does. I wonder if, you know, sometimes you don't appreciate things. I wonder, you, maybe you know, but do you think the Alabama fans realize how blessed they are, the ones that are old enough to remember the great run of Coach Bryant, to have two, I mean, to have, it just doesn't happen. I mean, it's just, you know, you can't look at two careers that, that were similar across all of college football must let's be at the same place. So I think it's kind of like, well, you know, we're there and it's always going to be this way. It's, this is, you know, this is really, really unusual to happen. I mean, for it happened this way for this long this type of stretch because uh, you know, we've seen programs have success. Miami had success with the University of Miami with several different coaches, but but not it's nothing doesn't look feel like you know what 
Alabama did under Coach Bryant or what's going on with Nick, which is the consistency of dominance. I think you're starting to see, you know, LSU last year, great run. Fall apart this year. I don't think people realize how tough it is to stay on top. I think it's easier to climb your way up there. It's a whole lot tougher to stay there. And to do that is just not – I don't think it's understood or appreciated enough. She said – it's it's tough to do that, and and how the sausage is made is is ugly. It's tough, and and if you don't take that attitude, you know you're not guaranteed that you're going to be back next year. I mean, people think you are, but you got to start over from the beginning. Parcells used to always tell me, you know, it, it, it's different because you don't pick up where you left off last year. You know, so Alabama doesn't pick up from the championship game last year. If this next year's team starts completely over, has to do the same things, and if they're going to get back, they're going to have to take the same path and do the same things equally as well relative to the other teams, and we'll see where it goes. But, you know, that's it's a difficult process. Hey, Chris, let me squeeze in one more call up in the Birmingham area. Corey, you're going to have to get to your question extremely fast. We're limited with time. We're almost out. Uh, your question. Hey, Ryan, how you doing tonight? And I, Hey, Chris, I'm Corey. glad to be able to talk to you. Thank you. My pleasure. What's your question, Corey? I'm, I'm limited with time. I'm, I'm literally out of time. My, my question is, um, uh, Chris, um, if I were to offer you these three teams for Mac Jones, for the NFL, which do you think was suiting the best? The Washington football team, the New Orleans Saints, or the New England Patriots? All right. Thank you, Corey. Oh, and I, got about I would, 90 I would seconds. say the Saints, the Patriots, the Redskins in that order. Uh, Sean Payton's a big part of it, but the I think the Saints and the Patriots would be great fits for him. Um, that's what I would say. It is LandryFootball.com. Chris, in the final 30 seconds, tell us more about the website where people can grab a lot more of the information that you're able to offer. LandryFootball.com, you can catch our Twitch TV channel, all our podcasts, all our film room breakdowns. We break down the college game, the program, pro, uh, the pro game from recruiting to the draft. We cover it all for you, all year round coaching searches. So check it out. You can take advantage of our holiday special for less than a magazine subscription. It's like having your own scouting and coaching department. So check it out. And we didn't even touch the NFL, but four early departures from Alabama. We'll cover that next time. That's Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fowler. This is Alabama Tradition, the past, present, and future. Uh, don't cut your radio dial off. We've got two more hours of the sports talk following James Ludeman and all the guys coming up in a couple of minutes. That's Chris Landry. Good night, T-Town. See you tomorrow at 2 o'clock on Tide 100.9. Money for nothing and your chicks free.